Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online. It's such an honor to have you tuning in with us today as we continue our series in love first. Guys, I've been reflecting all week on this scene from the life of Jesus that is like it's so radical. It's so like it doesn't fit into any box that I have. Like I keep trying to put myself in the room and imagine what it would have been like. And it's just, oh man, it's it's really hard to imagine. But at the same time, it's so central. It's so core to our faith as Jesus followers that I want I want to walk with you through it. It's this scene of Jesus with his twelve disciples. Uh, kind of the evening before, he's going he's gonna to give his life for humanity. And so let me show you in uh, John chapter 13 kind of how this scene unfolds. We see Jesus having dinner with his disciples, his followers, and he lays aside, he stands up, lays aside his outer garments. He takes a towel, he ties it around his waist, and then he pours water into a basin. And he begins to wash the disciples' feet. All 12 of them are in the room. And he's wiping them down with the, with the towel that was wrapped around him. This is, this is a role reserved for a, a servant or a slave. And right, I mean, you, you gotta you gotta understand, like, I mean, this is open-toed, like agriculture society sandaled Jesus, right? So we're talking dirt and dust and mud all over their feet. But but if we're being honest, it's probably also animal feces. I mean, this is not a clean job at all. And, and then in addition to that, simultaneously, while these 12 guys are in there, Jesus knows that one of them, this guy named Judas, he's going to betray him, like in the near future. And so Jesus, still knowing who's in the room, washes all of their feet. And he's screaming this one incredibly consistent message. His entire life has been about it. It's culminating in this moment. It's about to be revealed that as Jesus is washing their feet, this is almighty God who has humbled himself to come and serve and die for humanity, to serve and die for these 12 men, to serve and die for the world, for me and for you and for the the decent 11 in the room and for the Judas. And man, as I put myself in this story, right, on a good day, I'm hoping I'm one of the 11. On a realistic day, I realize I'm probably Judas. And I'm like, Man, this is so amazing. And here's the deal, because it doesn't stop there. Not only is this an incredible demonstration of the love of God for you and me, but it's also an invitation that Jesus then looks around the room and he says, guys, in the same way that you have seen me serve you, you are also to serve and love one another. He says it just a little uh, later in John 13. Let me show show it to you. He says, I'm giving you a new command. That you love one another. And before you and I have a chance to fill in the gaps, to try to define what love looks like, he defines it for us. He says, just as I have loved you. And they all just witnessed tangibly the humility of the Son of God as he washed their feet 
He says, you also are to love one another in that manner, sacrificially as servants. And by this, this is amazing, this statement right here. Jesus says, by this, all people, the entire world will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And so immediately my mind goes to this, this reality. You've got to ask the question, how many followers of Jesus do you know like that? How many followers of Jesus are consistently showing up to serve like that? I mean, this is an explicit black and white invitation to love and serve one another like Jesus has served us. And Jesus said, this is crazy, that the world is going to know that we're his followers by that kind of love. And so then, then it leads me to ask questions like this, like, Man, maybe the reason the world doesn't know, maybe the reason the world isn't attracted to, maybe the reason that the world is walking away from or has stayed away from Jesus and his church is because when they look at Jesus and his church, or specifically his church, which is the tangible expression today, maybe they're not seeing this kind of love. Maybe that's part of the problem. Or maybe, man, listen, let's just make it personal. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but maybe for you, part, part of your struggle, maybe part of the reason you left faith, uh, you grew up in it and left it, or maybe you stayed away from it, or maybe you have struggled with it your entire life, maybe part of your struggle is that you have watched people call themselves followers of Jesus and then not live like it, and not love like it, and not serve like it. It's like, like it has no bearing on their life, and there's this huge disconnect. You're like, wow, this doesn't make any sense. And Jesus is telling us the opposite is also true, that when we love like this, it's contagious. It's amazing. It's breathtaking. And over the last few weeks, guys, we, we, we've been unpacking uh, um, the, just, just the simple invitation from Jesus. Over and over again, I've been telling you, the life of a Jesus follower, the invitation to follow him is all about relationships, to love God and people. And specifically, we said that it starts with our relationship with God, but it doesn't stop there. Last week, I introduced the idea that, that, that Jesus, the secret sauce to his life, if you will, was this, this thing called the aramos, the practice of silence and solitude, drawing away into a quiet place to be with God and hear from God. It was out of the overflow of Jesus and his relationship with God that he was able to radically love one another. It's how he was able to wash the feet of Judas in this moment. But again, we recognize that it didn't start, stop there, but rather we realized that, man, the, what's really amazing about the life of Jesus is how he radically loved others. And so then we, we have to understand that that involves our invitation of loving people too. But you know the problem of following Jesus <laughs> is, is that all the people that are involved, like following Jesus would be way easier if it didn't have to do with a, a lot of people, right? And so you and I start to struggle. Like, and specifically, the, the invitation to love people, it falls into different categories, right? So for Jesus, it was, it was loving God, and then it was loving the people that are in God's family, those who have made a decision to trust in Jesus and, and be made new and be a part of God's family. And then it's those who are not yet in God's family. It's, it's three different relationships, and specifically two categories of loving people. And so th this week and next week, we're going to take some time to look at what it looks like to love as a part of God's family. And then right before Easter, we're actually and take some time and talk about what it means to love people that are not in God's family yet. But by the way, next week, um, this is awesome, next week is City Church's second birthday. Oh my goodness, like, you know, COVID kind of made like year two a, a flash forward and we're like, well, here we are, but man, 
Amazing, amazing. I can't wait to celebrate with you. By the way, we're, I'm just kind of making all of our online viewers jealous in our podcast viewers, if we're just viewers, listeners, I guess is what you are. We're going to have on, on uh, City Church's birthday, Krispy Kreme donuts that are customized with our logo. It's going to be so cool and so full of sugar. It's going to be the best. And then in addition to that, we're also having a baptism party. Like, it's going to be awesome. We've been praying and seeing God do amazing things and lives are changing. And so we're going to celebrate with some baptisms. And by the way, if you have never been baptized, I would love to invite you to be baptized for the first time. Baptism is very simply celebrating on the outside, externally, what Jesus has already done through faith on the inside. And so just for what it's worth, if you were baptized, like, for example, as a baby or a little kid, and then later you made a decision to follow Jesus and give him your life, uh, um, that didn't really count. Like you weren't really baptized. You kind of just you took a bath, okay? Uh, and, so, and so baptism is something that follows faith in Jesus. It, it has to uh, follow it in order to declare externally what Jesus has done internally. Does that make sense? So for what it's worth, if you've never been baptized or you've never been biblically baptized, I just want to invite you. You can reach out on our online uh, platform and, and let us know. We would love to celebrate with you and invite you into that. But here's the deal. Uh, I, I've been reflecting on, on this passage, Jesus serving uh, uh, those, those in front of him in this passage as he's washing their feet. And I've been just kind of thinking about what it means to be a servant, what it means to love other people like Jesus loved me. And, and I, honestly, I'm kind of learning to uncompartmentalize my mind and my understanding of being a servant because I kind of get stuck in realms. I don't know about you, but City Church, we, we say this a lot. We say that everyone is a tenant something. We believe it. And, and no one's attended everything, right? We, we, we totally believe it. So a big part of our passion is that we want to help people discover the, their purpose and, and to make a difference. May we, may we consistently press into that. But in addition, we say, hey, everyone's attended something, but also like, like everyone sweeps the floor. Does that make sense? Like, like I've heard it said that, that if you're too big to serve, then you're too small to lead. And, and so while we absolutely believe that, that like, there's things that we were made for and there's things that bring us joy and purpose and passion, things that we're just absolutely good at and that we love, we're not exempt from th- doing things that we don't love, right? And I think Jesus is the perfect example of this in this passage, right? He, he's washing feet. I, I just can't imagine Jesus being like uber excited about that, right? So, so imagine this, the moment, like Jesus is washing feet and he's not like just giddy about it, like it's nasty, but at the same time, he's doing it with a joyful spirit. And it's because he's, he's taken up the disposition of a servant. There's, there's a humility in it. And, and I love this reality because what it, what it tells me is that being a servant and loving other people is not about as, as much what I do, but rather the disposition of my heart. That, that as I, I begin to love and to serve other people, it doesn't always have to fall into the category of like what I love to do or, or, or what I'm good at. And, and uh, so I just, I just want to invite you to like, reflect for a moment. If you're a follower of Jesus, we're being invited to love like he loves. Um, but, but more often than not, that invitation is into something that we don't love to do. <laughs> In fact, I think we maybe could argue that, that we're probably the most reflective of Jesus. We're probably the biggest servants when we're doing things we don't enjoy when it comes to loving people, right? Like, like Jesus said, hey, it's easy to love your friends, right? Like it's easy to love people that love you back. That, that's not real sacrifice. Like true servant leadership, true uh, a servant's heart is about giving even when, when nothing is being returned. And so, for example, that's why when you show up at City Church, when you're invited into this community, um, you, you, 
you're not on like in person right now, like if you're listening online, but if you were to come in person, um, at the door, you wouldn't receive like a fancy pamphlet or like a little catalog or whatever that says, hey, here's all of the amazing ways that City Church is here to serve you, right? We don't have a catalog here at City Church. We just have a community, right? There is no they that serves other people. There's just a we. That's all we've got, right? And so we're, while, while we're not necessarily saying, hey, here's all the ways that we can serve you, we're absolutely saying, hey, here's all the ways that you can be involved in serving others. And, and, and the reality is we're, we're trying to build a community of givers and not takers. We're, we're consistently talking about what it means to build a community of contributors and specifically not consumers. And, and partly because that looks like Jesus. Secondly, because um, if we're being honest, like, Takers and consumers are some of the most miserable people on the planet, right? I mean, I mean, we've all been there, um, but think about it. I mean, I mean, this is huge altruistic movement in our world today. There's an entire generation focused on making a difference in the world because we're not satisfied with being selfish and with being about us, even if it's separate from faith. And so here's my point. Just because we say we want to be contributors, just because we say we want to serve, just because we, we even do it good once or twice, it doesn't mean that we're perfect at it, right? In fact, this is, that's the disconnect. That's why we struggle so much. And so I just want to invite us to evaluate like, like what it means to love and serve others and then what areas we can grow in that. And listen, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, as you evaluate like how to serve other people, like it only benefits you and those around you. That's the reality. It's only a benefit to you and others when we choose to love and serve others. But I'll just give you an example to help you understand. Uh, earlier this week, I, like, I had just a I would be an honest little flex here. I had like a rock star day, okay? Like, like I mean, I was just like on my game. You know, you have those days where like I was crushing it. I was getting all my work done. I was just like super joyful. I was serving my family. I was making memories of my kids. I was getting my work done. I was being super nice to my wife. And I mean, I was just on it. And, the, and maybe my biggest gauge was that I didn't make anybody mad at me, right? Or like, you know, make them cry or whatever. So that was great. I was like, yeah, crushing it. And so like 9.30 rolls around, end of the day, I sit down on the couch next to Danielle and just, you know, going to sit down and watch a movie. And uh, um, she kind of looks at me and she kind of looks annoyed, like when I sit down. And I, and I kind of sit, I don't sit like back, I kind of sit looking at her. And I'm like, what, what's, what's up? Like, what's going on? And she's like, well, well, normally when you're like super nice all day and, and then you, you, know, you sit down and interrupt me for something, you, you want something. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, like no gold stars for me, I guess. Right? And, I, and I realized like, oh man, like one good day of serving doesn't remove the reality that like I, I've set different expectations at times with my family. I've got to be better at this. I've got to you know, get a, a score of like one day and two days and three days of serving well. So just, just, just so you know, you're not alone, right? Well, none of us are perfect at this, but the reality is we are invited to something bigger and better, and I want to show you what it could look like, okay? Philippians chapter 2, let me show you this. This is Paul reflecting on the same idea and reality of what we just saw Jesus doing as he's washing the disciples' feet, Okay? He says, so, if there's any encouragement when it comes to your relationship with Jesus, if there's, if there's any, in, any comfort from his love, if you're a follower of Jesus, man, you got, got any encouragement from what Jesus did for you, any comfort from his love, any, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, Paul's writing as, as a leader to a really little baby church, awesome, brand new church. He's saying, hey, complete my joy in your community by being of the same mind, having the same Love, being in full accord and of one mind, right? He's reflecting the same words of Jesus, to love one another. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. 
This is the, the antithesis of, of that same conversation. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. He goes on in verse 5, and he says, let this mind, this, this understanding uh, that, that's in Jesus be among you. So verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Check this out. This is huge. But being emptied himself, I'm sorry, but emptying himself, he, uh, taking the form of a what? A servant. Can you see Jesus with a towel around his waist? Being born in the likeness of man, almighty God, God in a body, and being found in human form, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross for you and me. Paul's invitation is very simple. He says, hey, guys, listen, this is just an encouragement to keep focusing and growing in your relationship with God so that you can be like Jesus, right? so that you can show up like Jesus, so you can love and serve like Jesus. And some of you immediately, we start to get into like serving and giving and these conversations and your heart starts to get heavy and you get burdened because like you're so busy and you're tired and you're exhausted and you're looking at your life and like, I just don't have anything more to give. And listen, if that's you, I know where you're coming from and I understand, but don't tune out yet because I think this conversation is going to help you. But here's the reality. If you think that like just showing up and participating, if you think that, that like other people meeting your needs is what you need right now, if you think that going to city group just so people can speak life into you, if you think that showing up on a weekend or, or like tuning in online is just you know, what your soul needs to be fed, if you think you need others to do that for you, listen, I, I, I just want to encourage you, while those things are great things, I think you're missing it. Because Jesus literally said the exact opposite. In Acts 20, 35, Jesus said it's actually more blessed to give than to receive. That word blessed means favor. your, Your life has more favor from God and people if you're giving rather than taking. And so I just want you to imagine, as we, as we read through this passage, imagine a community. Imagine, imagine gathering with a group of people. Imagine gathering in a city group. Imagine gathering on the weekends with groups of people that are trying to out-serve one another. Imagine that environment, right? Like you're like, oh, man, I just don't know if I can give anymore. No, no, no. Put yourself in this environment. Have you ever been in a room like full of people who are just humble and they count others more significant than themselves? Like that's the worst place to be in the world, isn't it? Right? Like, like, are you kidding? Like, who doesn't want to be in a room full of people like that? This is an invitation to anything but something that's burdensome. Here's the, here's the reality. Jesus is inviting us. Paul is helping us understand what, what life-giving community is supposed to look like. When servants gather together, you know what happens? Everyone is built up. But you know what happens when consumers gather together? It's like being in a room with a bunch of vampires, right? Like, like the life just gets sucked out of you. And, and before you start pointing fingers because you feel like you serve a bunch and other people need to serve and blah, 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 blah. And listen, this applies to every scenario. This applies to your city group, weekend gathering, serving your neighbors, you name it. It doesn't matter. You plug this in anywhere. But before you start pointing fingers about how, the, how other people need to you know, pony up and start showing up, just for what it's worth, Jesus showed up to serve and we were all a bunch of vampires, okay? Like he wasn't getting anything good from us. We didn't have anything to get. In fact, we kind of you know, killed him. A little bit, you know, a little bit. Uh, yeah, that, that happened, right? So we weren't exactly, you know, uh, uh, the most life-giving community on the front end, but Jesus 
did it anyway. That was funny uh, for what it's worth. Ain't nobody in this room to laugh at me, but man, I'm having a good time. Okay, so, so here's the deal. This is about my individual ownership of this conversation, okay? So this is not about pointing fingers. It's just about, you know, evaluating myself. But Jesus said that the world's going to know that we're his followers. Like, like man, the, the church is going to continue to make a difference in the world around it by what we give and not what, by what we take, by the way that we love. Let me, let me just show you. Let me just encourage you individually, okay? 1 Corinthians 12, 7, because I want you to get this. I want you to really feel it. To each person is given the manifestation of the Spirit of God for what? Themselves. <laughs> no, for the common good. In case you're wondering, that's everybody else, okay? And then check this out, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Just, just kind of reiterating that same idea. And each has received a gift to use it to serve themselves. <laughs> to use it, why? To serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. You know what these passages are saying, guys? Listen, this is amazing. This is what the church is supposed to look like. God wants to move through you to build others up. Can I just ask you a very simple question? When you show up, in your home, when you show up at City Group, when you show up on the weekends, when you show up at work, when you show up in those different spaces, are you showing up expectant that God has something in you that he wants to give to someone else? Are you showing up with the anticipation that God actually wants to build someone else up through you? Because that's absolutely the expectation that we're seeing here. That's absolutely the invitation from Jesus when he said to love one another. Right? But so many of us, man, we're so content, so content to just show up and, and receive. Right? But this, this is not just on an individual basis. Right? This is a corporate expression. This is a communal expression that we are to gather together and we are to expect supernatural expressions and contributions from every member of the body that's gathering. This is a big deal that you and I show up at Citigroup. We show up at, uh, at weekend gatherings and we have an expectation that every member is going to serve. Every member is going to contribute. Every member is going to show up and God's going to work through all of us to build one another up. Here's the deal. None of us, there's not, there's not a person on the planet that, that, that would uh, have a conversation with God that sounds like this. God, you know what? Man, you know, I like your church. There's some really talented, there's some really gifted people in your church. And I, I really like most, most of them. But, but if we're being honest, there's some people that are just kind of I don't know, useless, worthless. They don't bring much to the table. They don't really do anything. They don't really have any gifts. They don't really have any value, right? No one would ever say that out loud. But every time we give attention to just a few talented people and we don't have expectation from the entire community, that's exactly what we're saying. Because God looks at every single one of his kids and he says every single one of you is valuable. Every single one of you is gifted. And every single one of you is meant to be a gift. And so Jesus is raising the expectation at City Church. He's raising the community expectation. And listen, I'm telling you, for me personally, he's saying pay attention. And I've been repenting this week. That if there's anyone that I look at that says, man, they don't have anything to give. That's absolutely not true. The expectation is that everyone shows up to serve because everyone has something to give and everyone is valuable. And so listen, in our weekends and our groups, what would it look like 
to show up with the expectation to serve and to give and to love and to sacrifice, knowing, expecting that God wants to do something in and through me for someone else. You know, part of the problem is, is uh, in this Western culture, we, we just have this like default consumer mindset, don't we? Like even when we don't try to, we, t- we just totally go there. Our mind immediately goes to consumer. And some, some of us, we get stuck. You look at your pastors, you look at your city group leaders, and, and, and you see people there to serve you. And while they're absolutely there to serve you, you need to understand what their role is in serving you. Your pastors, your, your small group leaders, your city group leaders, they are there to develop and equip and empower you, <laughs> okay? I, I need you to think personal trainer, not, not massage therapist, okay? Like, like and think about it. How, how weird would it be to hire a personal trainer and then just watch them lift the weights for you? That's how a lot of people think about the church. And that's not the invitation. It's not my job to lift the weights for you. It's your job to do the work. It's your job to grow. And the expectation is that everyone is growing. Every follower of Jesus is not only to love God, but people. That the motivation is correct, that it's out of the overflow of our love with God, but that we are growing. Why? Because healthy things grow. And friends, my concern is that if we're not growing, we're dying. God is a good dad who loves you and I. And he thinks all of his kids are extremely gifted. Growth is expected. Serving others is expected. And so I I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. I don't know where you're tuning in, where this sits with you. I need you to understand a couple of things. Before it's about serving others, before it's about giving, it's first about receiving. It's, it's Jesus washing the disciples' feet when they, when they did nothing to earn it or deserve it. It's receiving from Jesus what he would do for us in our place that we couldn't earn or deserve for ourselves. And it's out of the gratitude, it's out of the overflow, it's out of the life change of trusting in Jesus. When he died on that cross, he died for my sin. He was buried and he rose again, proving that he was who he said he was, that he would do what he said he would do, that he could make me right with God, he could forgive me of sin, he could give me a new life. Jesus didn't just make me better, he he made me new. And some of you have never received the gift of God, of new life, of being forgiven and set free and completely made new. And today, before you do anything, you need to receive what's already been done for you. For the others of you, listen, you've received that gift And it's out of the overflow, it's out of the gratitude, it's out of the reflection that Jesus says, in the same way that I loved you, you love and serve one another. And here's the deal, listen, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want to miss it. That, that, listen, when you and I don't show up to serve, you know what happens? We're robbing other people of the gift that God has for them that he placed in us. We've each been given a gift for others to receive. And man, when I don't show up, you're missing out. And when you don't show up, I'm missing out. And, and if we're being honest, guys, what, what happens is a few, a few try to start to carry the weight for everybody else. 
Because not everyone is serving. Not everyone believes that they have anything worth, you know, to offer. Or, or some of us are being selfish with our time and our energy and resources. We don't show up. So other people try to start to take on the weight and the load of other people. You know what happens? Not only are you robbed of the opportunity to serve and to give because Jesus meant it when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. But man, that everybody else is receiving something subpar because I'm trying to give something that God didn't give me to give. Man, let's not miss that. The world is watching. And Jesus said, man, if they look on and you love like I tell you to love, you love each other like I loved you, they're going to be amazed. They're going to want what you have. But it's only when we show up with the heart and the mind of Jesus. Let me show you this last verse. I already showed it to you once, but I want to show you this word, okay? Because some of you, you're going to hear, do more, do more, do more, do more, Drake. It's all you're asking me to do is to do more. No, man, listen, listen. I'm not telling you to do more. I'm telling you to be more. Be more like Jesus, and specifically to be obedient like Jesus. Look at this. Jesus, he humbled himself, and he became what? obedient to the point of death on a cross. Over and over again, Jesus would pull away with time with God. And you know what would happen? He would get away to hear from God. And out of that space, he would come out of that quiet time with God, and then he would be obedient to God. Here's the reality. You can't do everything. You can't serve everyone. You can't give everything that you have. There's some things you can't do. I'm not asking you to do everything. I'm asking you to be obedient. Jesus tells us that if we love him, we're going to obey him. The overflow of our love relationship is obedience and trust. You can't do it all, and neither can I. But together, God can do all he wants through us. Listen, think about the life of Jesus. He couldn't do it all. So how did he know? How did he know to engage 5,000 people over here and then give attention to one woman over here? How did he know to heal this person and not that person? He couldn't do it all. It's because he was being obedient. So my invitation for you is, is what is God telling you to do? Who is he telling you to serve? What is he telling you to give? Where is he telling you to get plugged in? Where you live, work, and play, in your city group, on the weekends, all those areas. It's your job to be obedient in this space. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Is there anything that God has told you to do that you haven't been obedient in yet? That's the first step. And secondly, is there anything that God is telling you to do today that you need to make a move on? Because friends, listen, it is more favorable for you and for me to give than to receive. I don't want you to miss it because the best is ahead of you and of me when we show up to serve like Jesus. I'll see you next week.